0: these kind of conversations, it's really hard not to just like say things that are immediately going to assign blame somewhere. I virtually got in a fight and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter, and I'm
1: Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent.
0: I live in New York City and I live in Los Angeles and this is Hug and a High Five.
1: Hello Ingrid. Hello mom. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So this weekend, I listened to this American Life uh, episode, and it was, I think it's called Five Women. Yeah. And it was all about, like, the Me Too concept and sexual harassment. And I just found myself getting super triggered and angry on the inside. Yeah. um, Forewarning, y'all, this is going to be a very frank conversation. And it uh,
0: might be a little sad, <laughs> but you know what? You can't always have happiness and rainbows
1: in life. Well, you got to be real about it. And that is part of uh, talking as adults to each other and the right. privilege and the responsibility that we have now. Right. So you
0: um, said it'd, it'd be great if I could listen to this, this American Life episode before our podcast, and I have gotten. Seven minutes into it, <laughs> I didn't realize how long it was, and then I was distracted and things. It's an hour and 20 minutes. I'll link it for sure when I upload it, because even in six minutes, I was like, uh, I want to listen to this. This is so mm-hmm. interesting. Um, that just that beginning portion, um, for a little explanation, highlighted one of what I assume is five women's testimonies, mm-hmm. where a woman explained her experience being... Uh, married, or at least uh, like a a life partner of 20 plus years, married to someone who she knew to be a sort of a flirt in life in general. Uh, she, She just shared some very complex thoughts about her experiences in a world of misogyny and patriarchy. She had so much grace in this first six minutes that I listened to, where the basic facts were, I love this man that I've been with for more than 20 years. I know that he's a bit of a flirt. I have kind of funny interactions with, like, the waitresses and people when we go out to restaurants, where the two of us as women look at each other and say, yeah, I know. And then she steps in and says, come on, like, brings her her partner back. Because she recognizes that he has never been called out or told that boundaries are different than he thinks they are in his head. Doesn't realize that he's crossing lines. And then... Allegations came out um, in an article against him, and she read them and was not particularly surprised. What was surprising um, to the uh, journalist interviewing this woman was that the immediate triggered memory for this lady was not of her husband somewhere, somewhere. It was of her own experience at the beginning of getting to the corporate world as a woman where she immediately, as a young female, looked around her office building and found two groups of women. Women that were kind of fawning over the men that that, that were their bosses in an attempt to do well and get ahead, I'm sure, or whatever else. And then um, this group that she found herself in that looked at those girls and was kind of like, that, that, whatever he's saying is really not that exciting, you know? <laughs> And her friend in this group looked over at those girls and said, Ugh, cupcakes. Which, as as far as I got, <laughs> there's your six-minute version intro. Uh, all that I got from that is that, first of all, I'm so respect I so respect this lady because she has way more grace and nuance in her ideas than can be put on a poster. And real life can't be put on a poster. And I just think it's so telling that all you have to do is talk about a group of girls who are named Cupcakes, and I know exactly what kind of person you're talking about. What evidently her story was going to be was, now I have new compassion for these girls who were just interacting out of their own selves and um, met by such different brain space from their male bosses. It seems like like a really tragic miscommunication. Hmm. Anyway, that's as far as I got. <laughs> you listened to a full hour and a half and five yeah. women, and you're coming from a mom's perspective. Yeah. So um, obviously, as you're listening to this listener, I'm sure this would be helpful to go back and listen to as a companion piece with the actual This is American mm-hmm. Life. But I don't know, Mom, do you want to sum up a little bit more of the whole thing, or do you want to just jump in with what were your main
1: bullet points? Well, um. Uh, now now that you have made your summary of the first six minutes and you haven't listened to the whole thing, it makes me question who was talking at the beginning. I think I know who was talking at the beginning because that was the main part. What Do you remember her name? No. Oh, okay. It's interesting to me to hear you say that she has grace for the man because by the end of it, Oh, right from the beginning, I I didn't have any grace for him, and um and that you have you say you you. Cook. Well, I, what I thought was interesting about her is that she had
0: grace for both people, for both yeah. parts. Like these people, these girls that she judged when she was young. Now she's like she she has more grace for them
1: now and realizes like oh they. But it was interesting because you said you knew exactly when she made that comment about them, you knew exactly what she was, which is interesting because that's like a very narrow stereotype and you only heard one phrase about them. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I heard someone say, ugh, cupcakes.
1: So um, (laughs) the whole thing is a a ball of trigger for me because I'm a mom of three daughters. And I have, uh, to be honest, I virtually got in a fight with a mom of boys last year in a parent education class in a teen parent education class cuz she was trying to stand up for her boys and I was like I didn't have a lot of pleasant things to say <laughs> about the way she wanted you know like oh the way parents and and people pass off the behavior of boys and I just have to say now I'm so grateful, well, in the past couple of years since the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement have come around and the Women's March mm. and all of that, I am so grateful for all of those. Because, um, And what's very, very sad in this story of five women is one of the problems that was um, ca- n- not causal, but associated. Um, yes. is that the parents of one of the women laughed off when when she had a question about the behavior of her boss? The parents belittled it and laughed it off and shrugged their shoulders and said, "Welcome to the working world. Men are like that." Yeah, and um, right. And so she shrugged her shoulders and said, well, I guess that's what I just have to deal with. I'll be fine. And that pains me to the core of my being. um, So this was
0: five different stories um, all about women in the workplace?
1: With one man. This one man.
0: Oh, all with the same man.
1: Oh, I didn't get that far. Yeah, it's it's one man. Interesting. And, And the end is... I I just felt really sick to my stomach at the end, actually. (laughs) Um, But it just made me think, ah, I want to, I have to use this as a teaching moment for my daughter, or I want (laughs) to talk to my daughter about this and make sure that you never shrug off a man's behavior and go, oh, that's the way men are, or that's the way boys are. Because it's never okay. So, That's what I want to scream from yeah. my soapbox.
0: Yeah, it's, it's never okay. It's never
1: okay.
0: I know, because um, I know you, that when you have a teaching moment, especially one like this, um, I would love in this moment for you to for you to vocalize just like you just did a few of those like teachable little things that you just want to like ring into my head. And then let's unpack the fear behind that. Oh. Because a lot of it is really true and needs to be taught, but also right now, like, you're coming out of a place of, like, just being so deeply fearful, and there's only so much that I can control about my life and you can control about yours. Yes. And I'm also so thankful that we're in a place in America, at least, where we're at least one step closer to women being believed and to speaking up and those types of things.
1: Okay, so if I was going to unpack where it's coming from and in, in what you're hearing, it's, you, typically when people have a very strong trigger feelings, the underneath core is a, is a fear of some sort. It's fear, yeah. And then yeah. it flips to anger. Right. A fear of being powerless, a fear, a fear of lo- losing control, of um, being small or something like that. So um, yeah. I'm not... a. F- I'm afraid of being powerless, probably within your yeah. life, but I have to come to terms right. with that because I cannot control you. I cannot control the situations right. you're in, and as I'm just the Me Too movement, just puts it in my face a little closer and says, "Oh, yeah, uh, you can't control this." But the well, my fear underneath that is that you or any of my daughters would be violated physically. Mm-hmm. And physic- and it's never just physically because it's physically, but then no. it's emotionally and psychologically and mentally. It's like all one ball. And that's the protector in me. So the fear in me is that you would be yeah. violated. And the protector in me, the fierce protector in me wants to stand up, even though I can't, <laughs> and say, yeah. you don't have that right. And who do you think you are? And it just, I, I feel... I feel so angry at any man or boy who would think that they could do that. And uh, it makes me... But it does make me question what you value about yourself and what your boundaries Mm. are. And it makes me question who else is in your midst who can speak to you, who is like in your midst, not just like 2,444 miles away, (laughs) Um, who can say... Uh, don't accept that. That's not right. Something they did say in the first six minutes of
0: the This American Life (laughs) episode was actually to comment on the fact that the more that you talk to women and hear their stories, the more evident it becomes that Me Too isn't an incident. It It is a long progression of environment which is what you're what you're talking about the fact that like usually an allegation ends with physicality but it didn't start there and it's not isolated it comes from a long line of whatever this relationship was before and you know the slight the small eroding of boundaries or mm-hmm. the the uh unequal power to begin with etc mm-hmm. I have a couple thoughts I have felt so empowered by New York in the last year and a half. Woohoo, that's good. Which is a little bit backwards from what most people might expect <laughs> from New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? New York is like, actually, New York is one of the safest cities in America. I've looked it up many a we time. We looked up that together. Yes. Um, but, stereotypically, when people think about New York, that's not what they think about. Especially when you come from a culture of... Being in cars, etc., to be walking around in the middle of the night or whenever, and those types of things sound pretty vulnerable. What I have gained so much from New York, though, um, is the ability to have a voice. Mm. I these kind of conversations it's really hard not to just like say things that are immediately going to assign blame somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's what it has to what it's about. I think if we start blaming, we're missing the point. Yeah. What I know about my life is that coming from the environment that I came in, I'm sure part of it had to do with being in a highly Christian community. I'm sure part of it had to be with being from an affluent community. Mm. And then I went to school in the South, all three communities that are pretty patriarchal mm-hmm. and value things like um, Emily Post's Book of Etiquette, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> you know, which... I love, for many a reason, but innately has a women are petite, women should sit down and be quieter and be polite, and um, that starts to squash your voice. Mm-hmm. And when you grow up that way, it's not squashing a voice. It just doesn't start to grow a voice. You didn't have one to begin with. Mm-hmm. New York has no such qualms. You, We all know the, the uh, caricature of the you know, Brooklyn lady who's like talking as loud as she can and she's just going to say whatever she wants and it's fine (laughs) because she's got, you know, (laughs) that's what New York is. Mm -hmm. And Manhattan specifically is like, look, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. Just don't really bother me. Mm. So you're loud and you can say what you want. And environment has so much to do with the way that you are shaped. And so the my last year and a half in this environment, I found myself to be far sassier mm. and far more willing in my own thoughts to say things that would stand up for myself.
1: Mm.
0: I think the inner monologue, the self-talk inside is what is really telling because I can practice saying out loud something that would stand up for myself all I want. But if it isn't what I say inside my head and my own thoughts, I don't really believe it. And are you getting better at saying it inside your head? Yeah, I'm. It's I'm noticing it coming secondhand to um, get angry when I'm catcalled, and notice the be
1: again the beginnings of
0: relationships before it's a problem.
1: The thing that's troubling to me is the wearing down you commented on, and that was that yeah. was in this episode two of This American Life where the. Um, the man actually started to get good at saying, I'm not, I know it's sexually harassed people. I'm the most feminist man there is in the world. I mm. would never do that. How could you say that? And like turn the words against the woman. And I know what it's like to be in a fight with someone that turns your words against you. And there's yeah. no winning in the, in the something no like winning. that except to leave the premises completely. Yeah. Um so that is what troubles me and I feel mm-hmm. f- afraid about it. if I'm going to get to my core feeling. I feel yeah. Yeah, I yeah. feel afraid for you. I mean in my marriage of 26 almost 27 years I have learned a lot about standing up for myself and the yeah. arguments that we have your dad and I now uh, are far <laughs> fiercer than they were <laughs> when I was a timid 20 and 30 year old um, because I have a strong opinion and I'm willing to to stand up for it and have it voiced and not be um, one psychological term we were told and your dad was told that he did was incorporate me into his point of view. And I think that that's what... It's like kind of a type of coercion. Yeah, but men become, and especially like businessmen who learn to manage people, Right. is they learn to listen to people and incorporate what people say into their point of view because they're directing the ship they're the captain of the ship so to, yeah, to so some, you feel heard
0: but also it's not your
1: yeah i'm the captain and yeah. this is the way we're going so that's troubling with for me and it it's fearful because I have experience. It's kind of like when you learned how to drive, we took that defensive driving class and mm-hmm. the instructor said, you know, you have all the, as you new driver, have all this technical mm. know, knowledge, but don't discount your parents because your parents have experience. So right. True. here I am with life experience <laughs> and, um, you don't have all the life experience and all the years of, of right. all the people. So here I am being a Viking, standing up, <laughs> saying, <laughs> uh, defend yourself. <laughs> um, I took
0: a self-defense class mm-hmm. at um, Broadway Dance Center last year. Mm. And it was so helpful um, for these little everyday things. Hmm. Um, She called it a self-offense class. Oh, that is a point of view change right there. I love it. Exactly. Um, Similar, actually, to defensive driving. If you're a defensive driver, it actually means you're on offense more than you're on defense. Um, A self-offense class because she said, look, I have 45 minutes with you. I do not have time to teach you taekwondo, you know? Right. If you are getting into an altercation, it's too late. Mm Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do is teach you how to have offense before that, mm-hmm. to begin with small things as we walk through the city, like make it a, a practice to not just like check over your shoulder, but to do a casual 100 or 360 degree spin as you walk hmm. every block,
1: which wow. I do.
0: She said, no one cares in New York. They're not worried about you. <laughs> and it gives you... A, a conscious, I know what's happening, 360 degrees around me, um, which is all I need. You do that? Yeah. I I used to do it like super consistently. And um, now I, I definitely do it at times when I feel I need it more. Like when I'm coming home late at night, I do. Mm-hmm. Et cetera. Um, just so you don't miss anything. But the biggest tool that she gave me was, um, she says... Uh, See how they respond to your no. Mm. Because if a man can't, or anyone actually, right, right. can't respect a really small no, they'll never respect a bigger one.
1: Oh, that's, so, that's
0: huge. Anytime, yeah, she has a daughter. She said, um, she works on this with her daughter. Her daughter was going on a first date, you know, like a bumble date or something. She said, okay, it would check for their no. That's a real thing you have to do. And so a really small thing, they're at the date sometime and, um, he's like, Hey, do you want another drink? No, I'm all right. Are you sure? That's it. He didn't respect your no.
1: Mm.
0: Was he being polite? No, he didn't respect your no, which means anything he asks you later, you have to say no to because you know already that he will not respect a boundary. That's as easy and as simple as it is. So then later if he's like, "Oh, do you want to like go over and hang out somewhere else?" like no, like we well, you know already that he's not a respectable person.
1: Wow, I'm glad that you learned that. You took that last year, right? Or this summer? Last April. I do almost a year I, ago. We did talk about when you first moved to New York. I said, "Could you take a self-defense class quarterly?" Yeah. If you could if, right, right. if <laughs> you could take that self-defense class again, I, that would give me some again. peace of mind. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: but- that, I mean, that concept was so helpful because what it does is reframe politeness in my head. Yes. Because the thing is that that conversation in that date doesn't sound threatening. Mm-hmm. And it it sounds like politeness. It sounds like he's being polite. Right. Also, women especially are not used to saying no. Mm-mm we evade and say something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, nah, I'm just not hungry right hungry right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know, maybe later. Mm. And our um, teacher, our, our self-offense teacher, was very clear to say, that is also no. And that's okay. If you say, mm, I don't really want to, or no, nah, it's all right, that's still the word snow in cultural language. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. So you don't have to beat yourself up later about the fact that you weren't clear. You were clear. Uh You were clear. That's the way that we live in conversation. There's more than one word for no. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So ask, you have to uh, give them an opportunity to respect your no and then go from there. Um, The other thing that I say that I've experienced a lot is because we're talking about um, work scenarios specifically. Mm -hmm. I've had more than one coworker, especially since I'm the initial trainer. Yeah. I've had more than one coworker that I'm like training in the first few days give me one too many compliments mm. or one too, oh, you're just so beautiful. And I'm you're like, that's just not an appropriate thing to say at work. Um, also, I don't really know where you think that's going to get you. But <laughs> <laughs> do you tell them that? No, I don't. <laughs> um. But that's the way I'm feeling. And that's one, first of all, not something that I would have said before I came, moved to New York. Mm. Um, and two, I have, you're talking about like, I hope you have people around you. I have two or three friends specifically that I go to to say, this, he just said this to me and I just think it's a little weird. And I gauge their response. Ha ha, oh my gosh, that is weird. Or, Uh no, that's gross. Mm. And um, my managers have been super... Uh, receptive to me going up to them and being like, hey, okay, I know this isn't, like, a big deal yet. Um, I'm not trying to, like, overblow things. This is just what happened and, like, Meh, I'm not sure about it. Hmm. And they've been so awesome um, and pulled the guys aside and said, hey, we, d- they don't call me out. It's not a big thing, but they have reported back to me that they had a conversation about what's acceptable at work. Hmm. So I know that's like per, per person and per job, um, but those are things in my own life that have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am re- I'm noticing which personalities of guys make me more uncomfortable. Mm. Like sometimes there's guys that that compliment me too far. And it, they feel a little, they're, they're really like, it's a threatening feeling versus a, versus a like, I was just too far. Let me go on you. Hmm. So I'm still, I'm still learning like where that is in me and, and what like, depending on the person, when, when I feel confident enough to stand up for myself and when I evade eye contact and leave the room, either way, I'm getting out of harm's way myself, but, um, it's a pretty different response between flight and fight.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. I haven't figured that out yet. And you say it, it just, it's dependent on personality? Yeah,
0: it has to do with, like, vibe and aura and... Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: I think actually most people would probably that way. Well, this that gives me a lot of peace of mind. I'm really glad that that um, self-offense class that you took last April, almost a year ago, is, uh, so, uh, such a galvanizing point in your memory that that Mm -hmm. makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah,
0: I think of it often. I think it's, and what's so nice about that is that it's actually helpful for all relationships too. Mm -hmm. I mean, to give someone a a no opportunity immediately will tell you something about every friendship. It'll tell you something about my relationship with you. Mm -hmm. It'll, you know, um, That's a good gauge anyway, Hmm. but especially with guys, to draw that line between politeness and respect early is really helpful.
1: That would be something I think you probably have to be very sensitive to culturally because different cultures, even Midwestern culture versus the coastal cultures, Hmm. um, the it would be less uh clear cut i think and then not to mention cultures around the world which like you said are um not quite so um typically progressive With regard to yeah, if
0: we start getting into like conversation of cultures
1: around the world, it gets and we can't we can't really (laughs) we can't really speak to it as directly because we we haven't heard um, the Midwestern culture. I grew up in the Midwest, so um, you know, they call it nice when it's you know not not really saying what you mean is considered nice. Uh. Well,
0: and that's why—and she did mention, like, you know, no comes in different vernaculars. Mm. And I think part of it is, like, you have to trust your gut. If you're thinking about it and you're aware, you're going to be able to tell the difference. It's when you're not thinking about it at all that there's a problem. But if I was sitting in the Midwest and there was a a guy, you know, that I, like, offered a small no to, Mm -hmm. and he took a minute to be like, well, are you sure? I I could take a minute to decide whether or not he really was being polite. If, I know from Nashville,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, if the Southern boy insists a little further, it's firstly, usually because his mom has drilled that into him mm. as, as like a good Southern boy. Mm. And then you if it happens again or something, you know, you decide depending on the situation
1: i like the idea of telling someone and looking at them and saying oh let, let, let me just tell you a little bit about about myself when i say no i mean no <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. no subsequent conversation necessary um I, that'd be you know that kind of blunt, yeah, i'm not being polite that was my answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be interesting um wow well, that that's good. That that does give me a lot of of peace of mind about how you're doing. Uh, and you're right; Com- and community
0: has a lot to do with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have I have my roommates here. Mm-hmm. I have a couple friends at through just my phone, and a couple friends at work. Then mm-hmm. that's like different spheres of my life. Doing you know, at work I can bounce off someone else well in that setting how I feel and it's my roommate usually who I text when it's someone on the street well that's the thing about New York is that you will get crazies on the street and that's when you're like hey just hopped into the Dwayne du-
1: Duane- Reed but yeah I like that you say it out rather than holding it in and when your spidey sense goes up that you say something that um mm. And you don't make a big deal about it. You're like, "Hey, this is early on. I don't want to make a big deal of it, but I just want to say it. I appreciate that you do That's that." That's what's
0: so important. Because if I didn't say it early on, it'd become a well, problem. Well, then you're squashing whether or not it really was a problem for him. It would be. It would be too much
1: anxiety in me. And you, and you're squashing your spidey sense, your your awareness. You never want to. I think it's the it's the people that suppressed their initial oh, red flags they get into trouble and that's what this american life episode was about um that they squashed their initial red flags some of them not all of them and um that became a problem so i'm really heartened and it gives me peace of mind thank you to know that you're not squashing your initial red flags and you're speaking them out and you have the perspective of self-offense so, yeah. Thank you for letting me share this episode with you. Yeah. This has been a hug and a high five, me too, episode. <laughs> this is
0: um, a tag that I is not going to open another can of worms until another episode. But I do want to make it clear that this is way easier to do with strangers. Oh, yes. And I have not figured it out completely
1: with people who I already know and can make excuses for. Uh, that is a can of worms. We'll have to address that another day. To revisit another time. <laughs> that is another troubling thought in your mama's mind. <laughs> in my current life,
0: my only good friends are females, so I'm all right. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, I love you. Thanks for having this episode me. love with you too, me. Mom. Bye. Yep. Love you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic... Ask us a question or share your mom daughter story, please email us at hug and a high five at gmail.com. That's hug and a high
1: podcast at gmail.com. All words hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.